Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. We had a bunch of moves on Friday. Let's break them all down. Welcome into a slightly delayed emergency edition of Fantasy Baseball Today on Saturday, March 19th. I am Frank Stanfield, joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Carlos Correa to the Twins. What? When? How did this happen? We also had Kenley Jansen signed with the Braves, Nick Castellanos signed with the Phillies, and one of Scott and Chris's favorite sleepers, Luke Voigt, was traded to the Padres. Mm, he is free. Frank, take that. Wow. I'll take it. I moved him up into the profit pocket. We'll talk all <laughs> about it. Let's start with Carlos Correa, who signed a three-year, $105 million deal with the Minnesota Twins. He has opt-outs after each of the first two years. So it's a very interesting deal. I don't know if you guys want to touch on the financials of it. You can in your analysis, but I thought it was very interesting. Uh, overall, Scott, we'll start with you. What do you think about this move for Correa's fantasy value to the Minnesota Twins? You know, it's it's obviously a huge real world development. The I think I think what most you know when you look at the free agent trackers, I think most had Carlos Correa at the top as the very best free agent this off season, which obviously is taking into account his defense and and other things we don't care about. In Age, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, for the the real world consequences of this are, are huge. Nobody saw it coming. The Twins. They, they came up with this very clever deal to get it done where uh, they pay him a ton of money for minimum of one year, maximum of three years, and, and he's able to, to hopefully go out and get the mega contract he's looking for after any of those years, whatever he wants, and, and, and that's what it took to get him on their roster. And uh, so, so it's, it's, yeah, very interesting from that perspective. From fantasy, though, I don't know that it. I don't know that it changes that much, which is is often the case. Like the biggest splashes in real life, often have the least fantasy implications because you already know who the player is, and he's of a caliber that's basically going to translate anywhere. That's, I would. That's the key difference. That's probably the key difference between like the off season for football and baseball, where like football players take away from each other. Not like a quarterback being added to an offense is different, but like if a team signs a wide receiver, that generally means worse things for the the wide receivers on the other teams or worse things for that player. In baseball, everyone's pretty much additive. You know, like they you, you fill a spot, but you're, you know, Carlos Correa is not taking an opportunity away from someone that we were really interested in. Yeah. Uh, yes. Overall, I mean, the ADP is interesting on Correa all offseason. He's going 85th overall. Last year, he finished as the 46th overall player in Roto. He averaged 3.3 fantasy points per game. He hit 279 with 26 home runs. Stackhouse says he actually should have been even better than that. 296 expected batting average. But Chris, I have to think the park shift, you know, it's a little bit of a downgrade. The lineup, a little bit of a downgrade. So, you know, do you actually factor those things in? Are you going to lower Carlos Correa at all? I mean, so looking at where I have him ranked, shortstop's obviously a, a 
quite deep position. And I, I've got him 10th at shortstop, 59th overall in Roto. And I don't know. I guess I could move Wander Franco ahead of him. I don't know. Like, I, it's just he's about 10 spots clear of Wander Franco and Javi Baez in my Roto rankings. I don't think that's really going to change because I, I, I don't think this changes his outlook. Like, if, if Carlos Correa is as good as we hope he will be, it doesn't really matter where he's going to play. And and players own most of their production. Lineup context and park context and all that stuff, that matters. But generally speaking, like if Carlos Correa hits 290 with 30 home runs, in a bad lineup, you're looking at 95 to 100 runs. In a really good one, you're looking at 110 to 115. Like those change. And we're not probably not talking about that kind of gap. Right between the Twins and the Astros lineup, although the Astros lineup is clearly better. Yeah. Um, but so not, I, I, I don't not think as it clearly changes. now that he's gone. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I, I don't think it changes Carlos Correa's value very much. All yeah. right. No, I, I agree. Like you mentioned, <laughs> so Chris actually has him a lot higher than ADP, about 30 spots higher than ADP, and mm-hmm. has him ahead of Wander Franco, even though he's behind Franco and ADP. You know, if you're just, if you're thinking in terms of ADP, should this affect him? Um, like, who should he go behind? Willie Adamas? I, I'm not willing no. to do that. Like he, he was already ranked, not necessarily by Chris, but universally ranked in a modest way. Right. And yeah. he, lower than he finished last year for sure. Yeah, much lower. Right. Yeah, I mentioned 40, he, 46th overall in Roto. And he, um, you mentioned he underperformed his expected stats last year. And like I, I just th- I think the skills are legit, and we just don't have to worry about that park shift, which is um, only a modest park shift anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, I think maybe it changes Carlos Correa's best case outcome, but I also don't think we've seen his best case outcome yet. So it's not something anybody was really targeting him for anyway. Yeah, he has to stay healthy. That's a huge part of his value. Last year, he did that. He played 148 games. His last three full seasons before that, 75, 110, 109. So he's got to stay on the field. And if he does that, he should be very good. It is worth noting, he hasn't been on the IL since 2019. For sure. Obviously, 2020 is a shorter season. He had fewer opportunities to get hurt. And he wasn't particularly good in 2020, although he had an awesome playoffs that, you know, kind of if you included that in his numbers, you know, made them look a lot more normal. He was ridiculously awesome in 2020 playoffs. Um, And so, but yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't been on the aisle in three years. So that's, that's in the past two years, I guess would be the better way to phrase that. So, you know, I don't know how much the injuries are a concern here. Yeah, no, it's, it's positive sign for Carlos Correa. Scott, I want to ask you the ripple effects of how, how this might affect prospects involved here. Jose Miranda, someone you mentioned the other day who you said uh, you know might get more of an opportunity with the Josh Donaldson trade. Obviously, Correa coming back in. Uh, Gio Urshela expected to play third base for the team. Both him and Jeremy Pena the other way. So Jeremy Pena is now expected to be the starting shortstop for the Astros, assuming they don't sign someone like Trevor Story. So how do you think this move affects both of those players, Miranda and Jeremy Pena? Yeah, I'd say Pena is more likely to make the opening day roster than Miranda. However, I would still rather draft Miranda than Pena because I think he's the upside is significantly higher there. And he's clearly on the verge. And when you have a prospect on the verge, at some point that door is going to open. Maybe Gio Urshela is terrible at the plate again. Miguel Sano has issues like he tends to do. Uh, there, there will be a door opening for Miranda sooner than later. 
Pena still has to win the job. They could go with like Nico Goodrum if he doesn't. But beyond that, I'm just not that confident that Pena is of a caliber, is the caliber of hitter that's going to be impactful in fantasy. He did up his power output in a short season for him last year. It was a very small sample because I think he got hurt or something. Yeah, like he that. had a wrist injury. Yeah, yeah, 122 at bats. He had 10 home runs in those 122 at bats, which is which definitely is a, a career high. By three. A career high, yeah. With with yeah, definitely definitely the most power he's ever shown. Um, he doesn't walk much at all. He does appear to have a little bit of steals ability, but you know it's not like he's going to be a burner or anything. Great defensively, so you know that'll that'll make him more valuable in real life, even if the bat doesn't play up in fantasy. But just generally speaking, I'm going to be more guarded with prospects. Um, at least in the near term, because of what we saw with the new ball being implemented last year, like it, it does. Like we went through a stretch of a few years there where it felt like any prospect who got called up had a chance to become an impact player in fantasy, and I'm not confident that's true anymore. S- certainly not with a borderline top 100 guy like Jeremy Pena, whose whose best skill seems to be his glove. Yeah, and he. He's a tough player to make sense of because he's only played 182 games over four seasons. Now, partially that's 2018. He was drafted. Most guys don't play much in their first season, so you can't really hold that against him. 2020, didn't play at all. Minor leagues, you know, didn't happen. Last season, he has this wrist injury, doesn't only plays 37 games total, um, but did show some potential development as a power hitter. And that if that was real the prospect profile changes because then you're talking about a guy who could potentially be 2020. You know, he's got 29 steals and 182 career minor league games. Like even at a stack position, like shortstop, if you can hit 260 and steal and hit 20 homers with 15 steals, like that's going to make you a borderline starter. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, we don't know if the, the power's real last from last year. Remember uh, Vidal Brujan last season. You know, if you just took his first 30 games of last season, he probably looked like he made a, a leap as a power hitter. Yeah. And then he didn't hit for any power after that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So it becomes a question of, do you want to take a late round flyer on Jeremy Pena or O'Neill Cruz or Nicky Lopez or, I mean, let's say let's say even later, like a Kyle Farmer who had a pretty pretty solid year last year if it's if it deep enough league where you're looking at a kyle farmer do you go with him or pena and i, I kind of feel like pena. pena is at the bottom of the group for that for me mm. you go i'd pena rather take the chance farmer. on pena than farmer yeah but okay. you know it, o- o'neill cruz it's not even a question for me i have o'neill cruz as a top 150 player but mm. um you know I, you probably do have to go like i think i'd rather take the chance on jeremy pena than gavin lux at this point you know, Gavin Lux is 232 overall. I'd rather take the chance on him than Andres Jimenez or... Is Eric kind of Falefa's interesting? Because I might prefer him. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I would take a chance on Pena over Jimenez at this point. Oh, come and on, of course, guys. a big spring could change things. <laughs> like if, if Pena's showing a lot of power this spring and yeah. given us more reason to believe that that small sample breakthrough last year was legit, then of course it changes the math. But yeah, I, yeah when you're talking about those like corner infield options in 15 team leagues who are going to get drafted like Joey Wendell and David Fletcher and JP Crawford, like definitely rather Pena than those guys. And probably 
over Josh Rojas. But, you know, even looking at, you know, ADP at NFC, Brandon Crawford's outside of the top 200. O'Neal Cruz is outside of the top 200. And those are the 25 and 26 shortstops, uh, shortstop eligible players. So I don't know if I could go any higher than that, but he should probably be in the late round discussion. Yep. For those in deeper leagues, AL only for sure, but deeper mixed leagues, name to pay attention to Jeremy Pena. Let's move over. Kenley Jansen to the uh, to the Braves. I wrote Dodgers on the rundown. What? Okay. Uh, Braves on a they one. They can't year, have everybody, Frank. Right. One year. Well, the Braves apparently can. Apparently, One year, sixteen million dollar deal for Kenley Jansen. The team has confirmed he will be the closer. He's being paid like a closer. Say bye bye to Will Smith. And I am sad because I. Look, you shouldn't draft as early as I was drafting anyway, but I had a few Will Smith shares in deeper Roto Leagues, and I obviously, I am crushed right now. It, it's not a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, it looks like we're saying hello to Blake Trinan with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The other day, Dave Roberts said he uh, wants the ninth inning to be fluid, but obviously, Br- Blake Trinan has the experience. We'll get to him in just a second. Scott, you're the Braves fan. What do you think? Kenley Jansen with your Atlanta Braves. Yeah, so Will Smith was one of 11, 11 relievers who we thought, okay, this is this guy is clearly locked in as the closer. Uh, he, he was in the role from start to finish last year, which very few relievers can say. And so those early drafts that were done, he, you know, especially with the value of those uh, confirmed closers being elevated, people paid a pretty significant price for him. So that's obviously disappointing for them, as you said. Kenley Jansen is an upgrade. I mean, just look at his track record. And last year, he got his velocity back up a little bit after it had been declining the previous couple years. So all the numbers improved across the board, except for the walk rate, I guess. But he looks like an ace reliever again to Jansen. And uh, obviously is going to be closing for a team that projects to win a lot of games. So I have him, I think I have him sixth. I moved him ahead of Ryan Presley. Uh, just behind Edwin Diaz, which I think makes him sixth in my relief pitcher rankings. I don't have them pulled up, mm-hmm. but yeah, one of the higher priority targets at the position for sure. All right, Chris, did you move uh, Kenley Jansen up at all? And I would assume Will Smith is just not worth drafting at all at this point. No, no. I mean, even like maybe a safe plus holds league. You know, he's still a good pitcher, but. And I did notice, yeah. uh, it's a good point you bring up, because the Braves had a ton of holds last year. They had a lot of guys yeah, that I think, ranked uh, inside the top 10. It was you know, Luke Jackson, Tyler Madsen. Yeah, Luke Jackson led the league in, in holds last year. Yeah, so it's a good point. Um, mm-hmm. But there aren't that many of those leagues. Kenley Jansen's number seven for me. I do have him behind Ryan Presley, ahead of Aroldis Chapman. So, you know, I, he's... I guess the good news here is we didn't necessarily... Well, I guess we did lose one of the eleven. I guess it is a net loss because we yeah. were assuming Kenley right. Jansen was in that 11, um, right. wherever. There, there was no chance Kenley Jansen was going to sign somewhere where he wasn't the closer. Yeah, so I, I, we, didn't, we didn't rank him in the 11 because we didn't know where he was signing yet. But it's, it's a, you know, it's just you swap one out for the other. You swap Will Smith out for Kenley Jansen. So, and we thought we were going to have 12, though. Right, exactly, and that's the worst part, too. And you want to feel good about Blake Trinan potentially being the closer of the Dodgers. I still think that he'll see the majority of the save opportunities, but yeah. you know, you have to take what Dave Roberts is yeah. saying for now. And they do have another reliever 
in the back end there who has closing experience, Daniel Hudson. So, Scott, yeah, how well, do you they, think? They've got an awesome bullpen. I mean, Bruce Dar Gratterall didn't look amazing last season, but he's got, he's got nasty got pitches. He has nasty yeah. pitches, but doesn't get strikeouts. It's so weird. Yeah, he, he's got a little bit of that, like Jose Alvarado, like the pitches look ridiculous. And he's going to be incredibly hard to hit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so he could be like an Emmanuel Class A type of uh, reliever. Okay. Um, Alex Vesia, the lefty. And yeah. even um, Jimmy Nelson was quite good for them out of the bullpen last season. They just re-signed him. So that that's yeah. that's a team with no short of, shortage of options. The one thing that's hard to know is whether... Like, they've never been a team that shuffles closers. The fantasy community has kind of, like, at times been screaming for Kenley Jansen to lose his job. And it's never happened. Like, it, it, is, it hasn't even been, like... He's had rough patches, and there haven't even been those moments like Aroldis Chapman's had where they've gone away from him. It's basically just been Kenley Jansen. And so was that a product of Kenley Jansen? Or is that a product of they kind of just want that stability? It's really hard to say. But Blake Trinan sure looked like an elite reliever again last season. Yeah. He was and ridiculous. He, yeah. And he's... He he had that amazing year with with Oakland that got him yep. that made him the the second relief pitcher drafted last year. So he certainly has a track record as not just a closer but as an elite closer and seemed to get back to that MVP form. number <laughs> six in Cy Young that year <laughs> that year yeah and seemed to get back to that form last year. So um, you know I I don't think it's going to be a long standing committee even if it starts out that way. I I pretty much never think that unless an organization has a history with it like the Rays do. Or they just don't have good pitchers. Right. Um, like the Orioles, yeah. That's fair too. But usually, even if it's never declared this guy's the closer, yeah. the manager develops routines. It's it's impossible not to. It's such a long season, so many games, and it's just if, like... Look, if Blake Trinan throws 74 innings with 85 strikeouts and a 199 ERA again like he did last season he's going to end up with 35 saves. I, I, I just, unless they, unless they trade for Craig Kimbrell or something, I have well, a hard, really hard time seeing how it doesn't work out that way. My, my only concern, my, my concern is less that Blake Trinan shares too many saves than that Dave Roberts likes him so much in like a versatile role that Daniel Hudson actually ends up becoming the, the actual closer there instead of Trinan. Uh, but, but I'm not going to let that prevent me from drafting Trinan. Like, a, like right now I have, have him ranked ahead of other undeclared closers like Giovanni Gallegos and Camilo Duvall. Trinan is right there, uh, pretty much after the confirmed closers, which includes Aroldis Chapman. And of course I have Trinan ahead of like Mark Melanson too, who's one of those confirmed closers, mm. but Trinan's just better. Yeah. So yeah, it's, he's he's the top of that tier now for me. Is Trinan? Yeah, the top of that undecided tier, but the upside is massive because if he works into the role again, it's one of the best teams in baseball with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Let's move on to maybe one of the best lineups now in baseball. Nick Castellanos signs with the Philadelphia Phillies on a five-year, $100 million deal. The top five in this lineup is absolutely loaded. Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, Reese Hoskins. Down on the bottom, they got Gene Segura, either Didi Gregorius or Bryson Stott. So a prospect coming there who has a ton of potential as well. This is a really, really strong lineup. Chris, we'll start with you this time. Nick Castellanos, um, we were kind of worried, or at least I was, because the numbers last year at home in Great American Ballpark were great. They were not so great on the road, but this is probably the best landing spot outside of, I guess, Coors Field that he could have wound up with, the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, assuming the Cincinnati Reds weren't going to re-sign him, right. but... It's a very similar situation to Cincinnati. Great, uh, blanking on what Philadelphia's park is. Citizens, Citizens, Bank. Citizens Bank. Yep. Yeah, that's one of the ones that hasn't changed. Citizens Bank Park. Um, it's not quite the bandbox that the Great American Ballpark is, but it's a very, very good hitters park. It's got friendly power alleys, which is key for Nick Castellanos because mm-hmm. he's he's not Nolan Arenado. He's not pulling the ball just inside of the foul pole or whatever. He's he's hitting to the power alleys and. Yeah, it's a it's a great landing spot. That lineup looks awesome. It's uh, Nick Castellanos taking the one year deal last year paid off uh, tremendously for him. He gets a hundred million dollars. So, yeah, this is um, this is all positive. It's much better than the Marlins, who were rumored to to be after him. Although, given that he signed for five years, a hundred million dollars, I. I don't know. It feels like some reporters were doing a favor for the Marlins front office and mentioning them as often as they did because there was no way they were going to match that. Um, <laughs> yeah, this lineup's awesome. This this is a really good lineup. And um, pray, pray for the Phillies pitchers because this is, man, this is going to be a problem on defense. Oh. Is too much being made of that? Because oh, it's not like Schwarber and... It was already a problem last year. So both. it's probably... like They were the fifth worst in uh, outs above average or whatever that stat is, OAA. Um, mm-hmm. So there's only so far they can go down. Yeah. No, they were well, bad. They were, they were bad. Gregorius is a pretty good defender, right? Yeah. Was, was he hurt for part of last year? He was. He he lo- he's lost time. a step, though. He's, he's lost a step, too. Yeah, he's lost a step, but the defensive ratings are still okay. Um Bohm is bad at third base, and their left fielder, whether it's Castellanos or Schwarber, is going to be bad. 
Harper is uh, bad. Odubel, Odubel Herrera's defensive ratings, I think, are pretty good. Yeah. He's been a negative the last couple of years, but small <laughs> sample sizes. Yeah. yeah it's okay. probably going to be really bad. Okay. Yeah. So um, pray for Aaron Nola and, and Zach Wheeler, uh, assuming like that's, there. that's a way that Aaron Nola could disappoint. And, you know, if Zach Wheeler goes back to not being quite the bat messer he was last season, especially like if, if Zach Wheeler regresses to anything close to 2020 strikeout levels, uh, I mean, it could be a really bad season for him because he was a well below average strikeout pitcher in 2020. So, I mean, Nolan Wheeler should miss enough bats that it won't affect them that much. But, you know, you it does add some tail end risk on the low end of their outcomes for sure. Like, I think it makes the, the, the lower end of their uh, bell curve or whatever a little fatter. And that's, you know, it's just a little additional risk. Not enough to move them down, I don't think. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's worth talking about it. I personally have elevated Cardinals pitchers this offseason because their defense is amazing. They have, I think it's three or four gold glove defenders on their team. Yeah. So it helps guys like Adam Wainwright who don't, who don't miss a lot of bats and, you know, even potentially someone like Steven Matz. So, you know, talk about defense on one end. You probably should talk about it on the other as well. Scott, yeah. what do you think about I, this? Go ahead. I want. Yeah, I was going to jump in myself. I yeah. wanted to mention for Castellanos that... Um, We've, when we talked about busts in the past, I included him among them. I obviously don't anymore. Yeah. I, in fact, I think I even used Philadelphia as an example of a place where he could go where I, would, I wouldn't be able to call him a bust candidate. And that's exactly where he ended up. So, uh, you know, his, his number, his splits last year were amazing at home and not so great on the road. And obviously, um, it's not like, all the places he was playing on the road were as bad as Comerica Park where he used to play. But I just, I don't think, like you look at that half season with the Cubs, you know, mm -hmm. and he was amazing too. I, I think more than anything, Comerica Park just held him back because it yeah. has an especially deep right center power alley. And as you mentioned, Chris, that tends to be where Castellanos lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I hope he hits third. I hope it's Schwarber, Harper, Castellanos. Uh, 115 plus RBI is not out of the question for a guy who makes as much contact as Nick Castellanos does and and puts the ball in play the way he does. So I um I think it's a it's it doesn't change how I view him particularly, but there's more upside now with Nick Castellanos. Yeah, I think it's more likely they go left, right, left, right, Chris, to start. Schwarber, Castellanos, Harper, and then Rio Muto yeah. after that. So um yeah, uh, quickly rank these four outfielders. Scott uh, Springer, Castellanos, Buxton, Eloy. They're all going between six spots of each other in ADP right now. I think you just ranked them for me. Springer, Castellanos, Buxton, Eloy. Uh, let me double check that. I'm not sure. I, I, I debated whether I move him ahead or behind Buxton because Buxton clearly has the higher ceiling. I ended up putting him behind Buxton, at least in at least in Roto Leagues, where you can benefit from Buxton steals. Mm -hmm. But they, yeah, that's, I mean, either way, it's a tier jump for Castellanos for me. He's now back among that near elite tier that not only includes Springer and Buxton, like you mentioned, but also Jordan Alvarez and, and like Cedric Mullins. All right. Yeah. I, Go ahead, I think Eloy is a tier behind the, that, the rest of that group. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I, I would go Springer, Buxton, Castellanos, but they're now separated by nine spots in my overall rankings. 
man, I mean, you guys are dunking on Andres Jimenez. Now Eloy Jimenez. It's it's not a good day to be Frank, right? right. I, <laughs> I apologize lost. Not a good to day the, to be Jimenez. I, lost, I apologize yeah, to the Jimenez out there. <laughs> that's right. All right, let's wrap up here with Luke Voigt. He has been freed, traded over to the San Diego Padres for right-handed pitcher Justin Lang. This is obviously a ballpark and lineup downgrade, but he should play every single day as the designated hitter for the San Diego Padres. Chris, we will start with you. How far did you move him up the rankings? I know this is a player you really like this season. So... In the interest of full transparency, I have been holding off on moving Luke Voigt down. It's one of those things where every time we draft and I'm going off my rankings in the draft room, Luke Voigt just sits there for like nine rounds because I've had him in like the 140 range the whole time. Um, And nobody ever takes him there. And so I'm just leaving him there now. I have him. He was my number 14 first baseman at the start of this process. And I have really like... In recent, like the last week especially, I've been like, oh, God, I have to move him down, don't I? And I'm glad I never did. Um, Yeah, he's the kind of player that if he's right and if he's hitting the ball the way he has in the past, where he plays doesn't matter so much. I mean, obviously, San Diego is a downgrade from Yankee Stadium, but I'm I'm not particularly worried that he's going to have this huge downgrade. Like you look at, the expected numbers from Stackhouse by Park in 2020 when he led the majors in home runs, it would have been 22 at home, 22 in San Diego. Last season, 14 in ho- at home, 12 in San Diego. 2019, 18 at home, 20 in San Diego. So it doesn't seem like a as much of a downgrade for him. He's a right-handed p- hitter too, so obviously that that factors in. But yeah, no, this is a uh, this is great. You know. It would be better if Fernando Tatis was healthy, but if Luke Voigt himself can stay healthy and hits like he has whenever he's been healthy, really. I mean, he's been a 900 OPS bat since he became an everyday player for the Yankees, basically. It's like 88. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think he's one of the best hitters at the first base position when he's healthy, and 14th might end up being too low if he plays 140 games. Yeah, too yeah, I, I don't know where you... S- where you point what what day you point to where he became an everyday player with the Yankees, but just in 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 his parts of four seasons with the Yankees, Luke Voigt is at 271 with a 901 OPS and is homered at a higher rate than Matt Olson. And that's even with those numbers being suppressed by the sports hernia that he tried mm-hmm. playing through in, in 2019 and then last year, all the knee stuff. Uh, hampering his numbers and and yet those are the numbers he he had for his stay with the Yankees so yeah, I mean you yeah. just he's played 180 281 games so you just cut that in half let's give him 140 games his 140 game pace since joining the Yankees would be a 271 average 83 runs 34 homers 91 RBI and arguably those counting stats are pretty low because that comes out to about 560 plate appearances Whereas if he plays 400 games, he probably gets closer to 600. Yeah, I think 35 homers, 90 runs, 100 RBI is not an unreasonable expectation for Luke Voigt. And and because he's had health problems in recent years, you know, he never got to play DH that consistently with the Yankees. That's primarily what he's going to be for the Padres. Yeah. So that's encouraging, too. I moved him up to the same range. He's 133rd in Roto for me now in between Jared Kelnick and, and Jorge Soler. So now I'm targeting Voight ahead of Soler. Uh, and you know what? I, I'm, 
I'm moving him into the top 12 at first base. Okay. Yeah. I have him 12th. I have him 12th yeah. at first base. I had him 14th behind Cronenworth and Ty France. And like, I like those guys and the multi-eligibility obviously changes where they're ranked, but yeah, I'd just much rather have him than those two guys. I'm, I'm keeping him behind Cronenworth, but obviously it kind of depends on what your team build is and what you need yeah. and, and all of that. So I have him ahead of Ryan Mountcastle and Jared Walsh, who I don't think He's any right. of us like. Uh, so yeah, that's, I mean, so, so he's basically top 12 for me now is Luke Voigt, but it's, it's worth noting. He has, he has top five potential at the position. We've already seen him demonstrate it. And, um, I don't think you can say the same for like a Reese Hoskins who is going to stay ranked ahead of him for me, but yeah, Voigt is, Voigt is probably the higher ceiling player of the two. Do you guys think it's okay to add Luke Voigt to the profit pocket? I, I kind of feel like maybe I'm turning my back on the other four if I add somebody else in. It's like adding well, adding someone to a band. To betray them. Can you, you know do if, that? if half the positions in the profit pocket, then <laughs> you know it kind of defeats the purpose of the of the profit pocket. But that's true. No, I, I think he absolutely belongs in that range. Yeah, we we talked about it recently, but the fact that Ryan Mountcastle has remained stubbornly ahead of that group. I don't understand. His ADP is one of the most difficult to understand of any player because I don't I don't feel like anybody actually likes him. Like I never hear people like make like I, I see a lot of people crapping on uh Ryan Mountcastle. Someone's I don't see him. a lot of people like actually and so I'm I'm surprised that him and Jared Walsh remain, you know, a clear round ahead of that group. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I've moved him. He's basically in that tier with the profit pocket. So again, you know, Joey Votto, Reese Hoskins, CJ Crone, Josh Bell. Those are first basemen that I feel like we've all been targeting. They, they seem like they provide excess value at the first base position. And Luke Voigt to me, just behind those guys. He's I moved him up to like 138th overall. So the ADP is 240. If you're drafting this weekend or the upcoming weeks, I think that it's going to take a while for this to be reflected in the ADP and and the rankings probably on other sites. So take advantage and draft Luke Voigt if he lasts anywhere past, you know, 150th, even then. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching this emergency edition of Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye! If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.